Welcome to TD Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Fearless Ford U, it's the new Cody reinventing and adding relevance to brands. Welcome to the Retail Visionary Podcast Series, a podcast about visionary ideas and people. My name is Oliver Chen. I'm T.D. Cowan's Retail and Luxury Analyst. In this episode, we're excited to highlight some of our key takeaways from our Glowing Ahead Beauty and Wellness Summit in February and explore Cody's abundant growth opportunities, which leverages fragrance, distribution, and innovation expertise. Today, we're hosting our keynote, Stefano Kirti, the Chief Brands Officer for Consumer Beauty at Cody. He was our keynote speaker here at the summit. A quick intro on Stefano. He leads Cody's consumer brands beauty business worldwide with a strong focus on strengthening brand equity, global positioning, and innovation. He's a beauty and skincare expert, having spent almost 30 years working in the industry in the US, Europe, and Latin America. And from his time at Mark Wynn's Beauty Brands and Johnson & Johnson, Stefano has built a deep expertise in brand building and channel expansion. Stefano, it's great to be here with you. Great to be with you, Oliver. Thank you so much for having me today. And thank you also for having me during the Beauty Summit in February. What are some key themes or beauty industry trends that resonated to you uh, from our summit? I think, the, I think the Beauty Summit was extremely insightful and uh, I saw many angles of beauty and also many sizes of beauty. Of, uh, you know, there were big companies or companies backed by venture capital and private equity and, you know, at their, at their start. Lots of insights. Uh, for me, beauty market has never been as buoyant as it is today. And I do believe it will become more and more buoyant. I think uh, consumers are continue to get closer to uh, beauty as a way to reward themselves well with their wellness, even, even mental wellness. I also think the market is becoming more fragmented than ever. There is more brand discovery. There are more incipient uh, brand, insurgent brands. I see uh, a constant blurring of mass and prestige. That's another insight. It used to be very channel-based. Channel and today, a lot helped by the digitalization of the consumer engagement model, these lines are blurry. So today, a, a, a consumer that is exposed to influencers is exposed at the same time to mass and prestige brands. I think the I see the online uh, continue to grow very strongly, whether it's uh, pure players or they are the brick and click. Uh, today, consumers are choosing a world that is omni-channel. They might discover a, a product uh, in store and they go and get information online. They go back in store sometimes for for the final purchase. So there is this omni-channel of uh, distribution, purchasing, but also information information uh, gathering. Uh, and I also see less brand loyalty, you know, together with the brand, more brand discovery and broad brand experimentation comes less brand loyalty. And finally, the, the last thing I would say, I said before, fragmentation. Uh, fragmentation also means that these uh, categories that once we used to call ancillaries, uh, like setting spray, body mists, highlighters, primers, where they're not ancillaries anymore. Now they are business in their own right, and actually they are growing faster than the historical, traditional beauty categories like foundations and mascara, because people, again, are 
experimenting more categories, segments, brands, and therefore they are fragmenting their uh, purchasing habits. You brought up a lot of great points um, from our perspective at TD Cowan regarding the importance of education and efficacy and a combination of this to drive trust and product, especially if there's more brands uh, founded by different kinds of founders and professionals. Um, second point we saw was the convergence of healthcare, beauty, and wellness. We think science and clinical tests will be important uh, factors for innovation and regenerative aesthetics, plant-based ingredients, exosomes are something we're watching. And then you also brought up uh, virality and Gen Z. We do see a value conscious customer who does trade up and down the blurring of different lines between categories and channels, duplicate products and widening price gaps, and a do-it-yourself generation. Um, that dovetails nicely, Stefano, into another question. How do you generate virality and beauty? And, and what are you doing uh, to maximize that potential? Can you do that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, good uh, uh, point. Uh, I think I made the point uh, uh, at the summit that the, really the consumer engagement model over the years has changed. When I started working in the beauty industry, I remember as a, as a young marketer, I used to develop a 15-second TV commercial, 30-second single-page and double-page print. And that was it. And with, I'm exaggerating a bit, but not much. And with those 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 suits of assets, uh, you would hit uh, 300 million people uh, just in the United States. Today is much different. It's not anymore a conversation one too many, but it's about how uh, well you manage, you lead the billions of one-to-one -one conversations and how you do it at scaling in, in a way that is efficient, but at the same time, uh, genuine. In terms of our marketing approach, advocacy has become more important than ever. We keep spending approximately 26% of our net revenue in what we call uh, uh, advertising and consumer promotion. But the composition of that 26% has changed dramatically just in the last five years. Uh, we now spend uh, uh, more on uh, on digital in the digital world than in the traditional world. And uh, you know, we as Cody, we have a lot of legacy brands still require you know traditional channels like TV. But still, we are moving most of our investments to uh, uh, to uh, the digital world. Within the digital, uh, what we call advocacy or influencer marketing is continuing to, to increase. and went from probably zero a few years ago or close to zero, now to 15% of our total uh, budget. So that's how we're moving to this billions of management of billions of one-to-one -one conversation. Because in the end, my biggest objective in life is to continue to inject the cool factor in big brands like CoverGirl and Rimmel and Bourgeois and Sally Hansen that have been around sometimes for uh, you know, decades, if not centuries. Word of mouth today is the number one purchase driver. We know that. Other ones are online reviews. And then finally, influencers and content creators are, are at the heart of this advocacy model. And the last thing I would say, advocacy doesn't start with, with communication plan. It actually starts with the product. So uh, at Cody uh, already over a year ago, we have created like a list, a guideline, a list of guidelines that need to be built at the beginning of a product development in order to maximize chances to become viral with that product. The time of putting a white uh, dupe in a, in a jar with just one claim is over. 
Today, we have to be so- socially relevant and much more visible. So things that are important is about uh, a romantic storytelling. It's about striking claims, striking package, uh, transformation of, of transformation. So you want to see a product that almost transforms in your hands uh, because that enriches, uh, enriches the, uh, uh, the storytelling or before and after visual effects visual visual results so these are these are guidelines that we are building at the very beginning of a product development in order to get maximized chances of becoming a viral product and being picked up by influencers stefano we're also excited about fragrance trends many of our panelists highlighted ongoing attractive momentum here do you expect that to continue? What's driving that? And how do you intersect innovation with fragrances? Um, very, very good point. And it's very relevant for Coty. You know, we are the, uh, the market leader in, I think, fragrance so we're all across prestigious mass market. So COVID has, been, has brought an existential difference to the fragrance uh, uh, market. Uh, during the time of COVID, in fact, that we have seen uh, the consumption of fragrance continue to stay strong. Today, after COVID, the market continues to grow, uh, you know, low, low double digit, uh, high single digit depends on the, on the categories. The approach or the reason for using a, a fragrance continues to evolve. The use of fragrance, the increased penetration today is driven by self-reward. You reward yourself. It's somewhat linked to functionality of the fragrance. So the, so the impact that your fragrance can make to your brain and to your mood. Today, for instance, we are able to scientifically demonstrate the impact that a fragrance has on people's mood. It's also about making you feel part of, of the world. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I could not afford uh, a big Gucci bag, but I would buy a Gucci belt to be part of the Gucci uh, of the Gucci world. Well, today, Gucci belt is $700. So even the Gucci belt has become a very expensive way to be fa- to feel part of the Gucci world, but a Gucci lipstick or a Gucci fragrance, hundred dollars can make you feel part of that world. So make you feel part of a world, a way of reward yourself, and in the end impacts mental health. So these are the new dynamics uh, I believe in uh, in uh, that I continue to propel fragrance. Also, in particular, fragrance are. Uh, our, uh, the fragrance market is developing very much in the ultra-premium uh, fragrance space. This is a space that was not even present uh, 10 years ago. It was very niche. It's particularly developed, especially in the U.S. and in China. And we are also seeing the artisanal fragrances uh, uh, or the niche fragrance uh, uh, developing. So again, even in fragrance, like in the rest of the beauty market, I, see, I continue to see fragmentation and growth uh, driven by the factors that we just discussed. And Stefano, perfume talk is a, a billion used hashtag on TikTok. What about younger customers and fragrances? And how do you see the intersection of social media and community and fragrances? Social media has become already essential for beauty and is becoming essential for fragrance. Past are the times where we thought we would sell a fragrance only through a tester. Today, uh, social media can make you fall in love, can sell you a fragrance, just describing the olfactory notes or the world that it represents. And that's, uh, that's why uh, the e-commerce part of fragrance is actually uh, a book. 
I ever, I do believe uh, the fragrance in social is still behind some of the other uh, beauty categories like makeup and skincare that are much more developed. So I think for uh, companies like Coty, I think there is still the opportunity to establish new way of engaging consumers on fragrances, which today online is primarily about unboxing and, and spending. I think really we need to use creativity to develop new ways to showcase a fragrance in olfactory territory uh, online. Yeah, lots of opportunity and runway and change ahead. The consumer beauty portfolio at Cody has a lot of iconic brands with really distinguished heritage. At the same time, you're interjecting lots of newness and innovation. What are the key brands under your portfolio and competitive strengths uh, that you see happening within these brands? So, as you know, um, Coty is, uh, is is approximately a six billion dollar uh, company with two large divisions, uh, more or less equally sized, slightly bigger. The prestige division with brands like uh, uh, Gucci, uh, Calvin Klein, Burberry, Chloe, Orveda, Tiffany, and several others. I uh, lead the consumer, what we call the consumer beauty uh, division which is a division primarily of mastige, mass market uh, drugstores. We compete uh, mainly in uh, three uh, segments, color cosmetics. In fact, uh, we are uh, one of the top uh, players in mass uh, color cosmetics in the world with brands like uh, CoverGirl, very big in North America, US and Canada and Australia. Sally Hansen, that is a market leader in uh, a nail with uh, over 45% market share in the United States alone. Uh, Rimmel, market leader in color cosmetics in the UK and across many countries in Europe. Uh, Max Factor, you know, the makeup of makeup artists, um, very big across Europe and in China. Uh, Manhattan in Germany. Uh, and Miss Porti in some other countries. So it's really a portfolio of uh, color cosmetic brands that go from accessible into mastige. So color cosmetic is, is a big portion. A second big portion is uh, fragrances. We have a large portfolio of uh, what we call mass scenting or mass fragrances. Uh, we compete, uh, start competing at $10 up to the $70, $80. And we bring the insights that we have developed in the prestige fragrance market to mass market. Uh, but at affordable price, almost uh, affordable, luxury, surprisingly affordable. And those brands include Vera Wang, the fashion uh, designer, uh, David Beckham, the, foot, the ex-football player, uh, Bruno Banani, not well known in the United States, but is actually the market leader in mass fragrances in Germany. Mex is another big brand in, uh, in uh, Germany. Adidas is our largest uh, fragrance uh, brand. We have a strong partnership with the sports brand. And Jovan, uh, another brand that is more an opening price point. So this is the second world of uh, consumer beauty coding. And the uh, last, uh, I would say, is body and personal care. Our largest brand is Adidas. Adidas deodorant, shower gel, body, body, uh, body moisture. Uh, but also brands like uh, Busano and Pachau and Monange. Uh, these are Latin America, specifically Brazilian brands, that have given uh, to Coty the number one penetration uh, uh, company in Brazil, for instance. So these are our three legs. Uh, again, color cosmetics, uh, fragrance, and body and personal care. 
Stefano, what do you see happening in color cosmetics? Um, CoverGirl has had some really interesting innovation in this category as well. How do these brands uh, stay relevant in this dynamic environment? This has been uh, the, the, la the last decade has been decade of uh, indie brands, certain brands, celebrity brands. And these brands, these indie brands have really challenged the legacy uh, brands. In the Cody, we have a lot of legacy brands. Audrey is over 100 years old. Uh, CoverGirl has been around for decades. Uh, and so has uh, brands like Sally Hansen or Remo. The biggest uh, challenge uh, and opportunity for us is to build on the trust that the consumer has, has developed for years and years uh, on these brands. At the same time, making it relevant and, and cooler for the new generation. That's really the balance that we need to walk. Continue to recruit Gen Z, eventually even Gen Alpha very soon, while at the same time cater to a slightly older uh, consumer. And that takes a balancing act in terms of media, in terms of distribution channel, in terms of advocacy model, and in terms of innovation. So we have to continue to uh, bring innovation uh, to foundations, for instance, that cater to a slightly older uh, target. This is what we have just done with the new CoverGirl Essence, a visually different product that transforms in your hands. And at the same time, we have to bring uh, coolness uh, and ease of use uh, and excitement and color and taste and flavor like we've done with CoverGirl Yummy Gloss that has helped us uh, improve the penetration among Gen Z and Hispanic in the United States. So it's a balancing act uh, for, for, brands, uh, for legacy brands like ours, keeping the traditional building on the trust that has become even more important during COVID time, at the same time, bring newness and excitement. There's a few um, things that we follow in terms of less can be more and retailing brands. Uh, what are your thoughts on SKU productivity? Another related topic is agility and speed. Uh, where do you see opportunities there as the market's moving so quickly and demand uh, shifts rapidly and trends and innovation changes quickly too? The name, the name of the game in mass market is productivity. Uh, our retailers uh, judge the brands based on the productivity, so the dollars per linear foot. And uh, they rank brands uh, based on the productivity. And they make also assortment decisions make, 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 uh, based on productivity. So we live and die by productivity. We have groups, departments that literally scrutinize every single SKU at the wall on a quarterly basis to grow productivity where it's needed or to kill SKUs with lower productivity. Uh, often, by the way, the, the wall is not extensible, uh, so you have to compete within your four feet or eight feet of space. So productivity is the name of the game. To your second part of the question, agility, nimbleness. Speed today is a very important factor, not the only factor, but a very important factor in product development and innovation. So we have to be able to have the pulse on culture. And with the pulse on culture, we have to we have developed the ability of spotting short-term trend and medium-term trend or long-term trend. In short-term trend, you have to respond in a couple of ways at least. One, within a month, you have to activate your base to respond to that short-term trend. Obviously, you cannot launch a new product within a month, but you can use your existing portfolio to respond and to engage in this short-term trend. And then the, the short-term trends also should impact or should inform 
your product development uh, within six months. So we have to be able to uh, work with our laboratories, our manufacturing plants, but also external partners, external third-party manufacturers to develop, to respond to those short-term trends with the novelty that is brought to market more or less in six months. Often the way to do that is to launch first on e-commerce. It can be your own DTC site. It can be on Amazon. Test and learn on new ideas and then bring it to the wall in the next uh, uh, world reset. But nimbleness is a lot. It's not everything, but it's a lot because in the end, you have also to carry on those longer term, big technology platform that takes 18, 24, 36 months to see the light of day. So we, we have to balance this short term, quick reaction to short term trends, but as well as go steady on big technology innovation programs that might take multi years. Yeah, that, that leads into another question, research and development in R&D. Where should be the focus areas in R&D? What do you think will be uh, needle movers um, as that's an important aspect of thinking about innovation as well? I think in R&D, um, you have to pick your battle. I think you have to be good at everything, but excellent in few areas. Uh, we, have, we are picking our battles at Coty. Uh, so skincare, uh, biotech, mascaras, foundations, sun protection. Uh, these are areas where we know we have the technologies, the ideas, the insights to be the best in class. Obviously, fragrance. Fragrance is not just about smelling good. There are technology about the trail of fragrance, uh, the blooming of fragrance. Uh, we have just launched a new technology that is completely upcycled ethanol. So we take CO2 emission, we transform in upcycle. So there are some some areas where we need to win battle and be the best in the way in the world. In the in the other areas, we have to be good. So R and D has to master few areas excellently, and also being able to work on bringing on bringing the latest trend in terms of tone and textures, in terms of uh, colors, pigments, etc., in a very agile way, as well as uh, being able to co-develop with uh, with external third-party manufacturers. Brazil and China are really important growth drivers. You have an outstanding business in Brazil. Uh, what opportunities do you see in those regions? Um, how might your penetration evolve? And what are some key dynamics we should know about as they're different but important markets for different reasons? Yes, we have. Uh, so with Brazil, let me start with uh, with Brazil. In Brazil, we have a very strong business. Uh, but it's a business that was built through body first. So we are very strong in uh, in uh, body lotions, in body oils, in uh, deodorants. And these are typically categories uh, with lower margins. And people would say they tend to be closer to commodity categories. So our focus in Brazil has been the premiumization and the codification of our Brazilian portfolio. Uh, we've been entering progressively in uh, higher order benefits in body higher order benefits in Dios, in facial skincare recently with, uh, with Monange. Um, so we are premiumizing our portfolio. So that's been one, one major things that we're doing. Another one is Brazil is the largest fragrance market in the world. Brazilians are the most involved in fragrance in the world. However, most of the consumption goes through door to door. So for a, for a fragrance company like ours, we took it on us to start the business 
of fragrance in mass markets, in drugstores. So we want to democratize beauty. We want to democratize fragrance in Brazil. So uh, we have been launching a portfolio of fragrances last year. We continue to expand it. And we really want to impact uh, the consumer behavior. Today, you can buy your fragrance uh, as you shop in your trap stores or your supermarket. So Brazil, we are on this journey of premiumization and category expansion. In China, Coty is still small and growing fast. Actually, being small in China for us has been a blessing in disguise because when China was closed uh, for COVID and after COVID, our business has been affected the least, much less than other uh, some of my uh, big competitors. Uh, they are very exposed to the China uh, business. So we are growing very fast in China. We are putting more priority in China on our prestige brands, uh, Gucci, Burberry, Chloe. We have just launched Orveda, that is our super premium, uh, a super efficacious uh, skincare line based on uh, French uh, biotech. And we are about to launch the new uh, ultra premium fragrance line, Finimon Coty Paris. In uh, consumer beauty, we are uh, betting We are betting on two brands, uh, Adidas. Adidas is a major brand equity in China. It's a super cool, uh, penetrated with Gen Z brand, and we continue to expand. We already become number one in uh, men's grooming, and we're expanding uh, progressively to the women target through a combination of fragrance, deodorants, shower gel, and more. And the second brand is Max Factor. Max Factor is the American brand of makeup of the makeup artist. They really resonate in uh, and is aspirational in China, provides prestige, quality, and affordable prices. So this is our portfolio approach. We see a lot of opportunity in China for, for us. China is full of opportunity, and Brazil is full of opportunity, but also the springboard for the rest of Latin America and possibly emerging markets. We have developed capabilities there in two areas. One is uh, low-cost manufacturing that would help us in our expansion across Latin America and eventually Africa and India. And second, the population of Brazil is the most diverse in the world, and we have created the Research and Development Center for uh, Melanin-Rich Skin that is giving us a lot of insights to be able to cater to the world in the end. Because remember, in a few decades, there will be more dark-skinned individuals in the world than Caucasians. Stefano, there's clearly abundant opportunity across products, categories, and brands. How do you manage this complexity and or uh, prioritization? And second, uh, which part of your job is the most fun? Prioritization is a never-ending story, as you can imagine. Uh, one of my roles, in fact, is to break the ties and, uh, in the end, having to decide uh, which priority we're going to push forward. In, in consumer beauty, we are clear on our focus on uh, on these three categories, uh, color cosmetics, uh, fragrance, and uh, selectively in the body. And uh, we will not go out of these categories for the very foreseeable future as we want to continue to increase uh, productivity in, in these categories. I'm having a lot of fun, uh, and the fun comes primarily from innovation. Just the, the idea of, uh, of the task of bringing those uh, guidelines for product development uh, to make a, a, a product more socially relevant to life, very exciting. Um, trying to disrupt yourself, coming up with new product forms, Today, there is no packaging and juice. It's all part of the same product. 
in an applicators an application system is as important as the juice inside so i'm uh, this is uh, where my passion lies because that's where the passion of consumers lies innovation is very important from a net revenue perspective and even more important to signal to enrich the brand equity and to signal newness excitement uh cool factor uh with our consumers stefano as we close out what's next for consumer beauty brands what do you think is most underappreciated by investors or the audience here? Yeah, good, good, good question. Because I get asked all the time about color cosmetics and, and cover glow. And the two most unappreciated category where we compete in projects that we have are nail and fragrances. Nail first. We have uh, a Coty uh, CB, is, uh, Consumer Beauty, is market leader in the nail market with over 20% market share. We have a portfolio of five or six brands in, uh, that compete in nail, including uh, Sally Hansen, uh, Rimmel, Max Factor, Bourgeois, uh, Miss Porti, and uh, others. In, and we compete in uh, uh, bottle and brush, so in nail polish. We compete in nail treatments. We compete in artificial and implants. Risque is another major brand that we have. It's a market leader in Brazil. So. I do believe that today nail is the new face. People are fragmenting their their, their approaches to uh, beautifying your nail. Uh, the routines are becoming more fragmented, more complex. And that's the way we're thinking, bringing the same degree of technology disruption and, and uh, sophistication to nail. And that's where Cody has the right to win. The second category is fragrance. We are the market leader in, uh, in uh, fragrance in prestige, and we have the right to win and bring the insights, the understanding of the olfactory categories uh, uh, down to the mass market uh, consumer, democratizing fragrance and uh, bring uh, you know, everyday luxury at an affordable uh, price. And this is where I feel these two categories, fragrance, so mass scenting and nail, will drive, uh, will continue to accelerate OT and specifically quality consumer beauty in the coming couple of years. Well, Stefano, it's been a pleasure. We've covered so many interesting topics from new generations of consumers, rethinking marketing, how to keep brands very relevant and many things on the horizon across categories. It was a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of TD Cowan Insights.